0: Welcome back to Omni Shambles, a podcast where we try to make sense of the Trump era and to the extent we can point you in the right direction during this week. I'm your host, Jackie Kucinich. I'm here with Aaron Banko, our national security correspondent, and of course, Aswan Subsang also known as Swin, to all of you. Perennial
1: um, fan favorite. Perennial perennial
0: fan favorite and White House correspondent. Welcome, you guys. It's going to be a crazy week. I know that's really not saying anything, given how things are these days. But over the weekend, let's talk about that first, and then we'll get into the week. We had a bombshell story
2: from The New York Times. And Aaron, why don't you talk a little bit about that, because that's your wheelhouse. So it was Friday night. I think we were all at home or wherever we were <laughs> by that point. I think it was like 8 p.m. And The Times published a story that the FBI had not only opened a criminal probe into the president of the United States, which we you know already knew for some time now, but that they had opened a counterintelligence probe into the president to determine whether or not he was acting as an agent of Russia. Huge news. The fact that the counterintelligence probe had been opened at all, you know, sort of really shocked former prosecutors, people who were former prosecutors in DOJ, ex-FBI officials that we talked to. So it really made a big splash. As the news unfolded, we saw more and more reaction from people inside the White House. You know, Sarah Sanders put out a statement saying that it was a ridiculous Probe. Let me just play this clip. It's number three on our list. has Lindsey Graham's
0: reaction to this on Fox News Sunday.
1: Well, number one, that story came from somebody who leaked it with an agenda. So I'd like to know who leaked it because they have an agenda not very friendly to President Trump. And I, for one, don't trust what I read in The New York Times. Having said all that... I'm going to ask the FBI director, was there a counterintelligence investigation opened up regarding the president as being a potential agent of the Russians? I find it astonishing. And to me, it tells me a lot about the people running the FBI, uh, McCabe and that crowd. I don't trust them as far as I throw them. So if this really did happen, Congress needs to know about it. And I and what I want to do is make sure how could the FBI do that? What kind of checks and balances are there?
0: That was Lindsey Graham, who's obviously a Republican, the head of the Judiciary Committee. This is how Dick Durbin, who is the number two on the Democratic side in the Senate, responded to this on ABC.
3: The uh, Senate's controlled by Republicans. We found in the last two years they were unwilling to hold investigative hearings. The only exception, I might add, was a crime subcommittee of judiciary, uh, which was chaired by Lindsey Graham. Lindsey has now ascended into the position of chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. It's within his power to hold these investigations, and he should.
1: And what about the idea that President Trump might be compromised by the Russians?
3: You know, there's so many questions raised. Why is he so chummy with Vladimir Putin? This man who is a a former KGB agent, never been a friend of the United States, invaded our allies, threatens us around the world, and tries his damnedest to undermine our elections. Why is this President Trump's best buddy? I don't get it. And when he takes the interpreter's notes and wants to destroy them so no one can see what was said in written transcript. You know, it raises serious questions about the relationship between this president and Putin.
0: So that was another story that broke this weekend, that the president actually confiscated the notes from his interpreter during the Helsinki summit, his face-to-face meeting with Putin. So there is no record, even to his national security staff. No one else knows besides Trump, the interpreter, Putin and the K G B and probably everyone in Russia who is government official, what happened in that meeting? Why is that problematic, Aaron?
2: For one thing, those notes would be super crucial to a counterintelligence probe that is still ongoing. What we know about these probes is that they take years, multiple, multiple years, and that they look at things like notes. They talk to people like interpreters. They want to really get those primary sources to make sure that their counterintelligence probe is as sound as it can be. So it's a huge deal that no one really knows where those are. Kelly and Conway actually came out this morning, spoke in front of the press pool, said that they might still exist but she didn't really offer any sort of clue as to where they might be or who might have them. So obviously a huge issue if we want to get to the bottom of whether or not Trump is an agent of Russia.
0: We do know that there are several House committees that are going to seek to find out, A, what happened. I think Elliot Engel, the chairman of the House Foreign Relations Committee, said that he's going to look into how this all came to be. And Adam Schiff, who's the chairman of the Intelligence Committee, said he's going to seek the notes because they were blocked by the Republican Committee last year. Now, Swin, how is the president and the president called into Judge Janine's show this weekend? Mm-hmm. And I believe he also has responded to this just this morning. And what are you hearing out of the White House about the president's favorite subject?
1: Let's talk first about the almost like incredibly stupendously predictable spin coming out of not just the White House, but Trump world. What's interesting about the clip you played of Lindsey Graham earlier, and Lindsey Graham talks to President Trump quite often privately. The two of them, after being 2016 primary foes, have turned into fast friends in the Trump era. Lindsey Graham kind of distilled exactly what is the Trump strategy and playbook whenever news like this comes out. A, why would you believe anything the lying, liberal, fake, whatever New York Times has to say? And B, and perhaps most importantly, OK, even if it were true, even if I did did it, what would be the big deal? In fact, this points to a broader conspiracy that the so-called deep state, the FBI, quote unquote, corruption in the DOJ is trying to perpetrate. Against the dear leader, Donald Trump. Lindsey Graham very succinctly put that in probably four sentences or so. And that is all that the president, his cronies, and the White House team trot out every time something like this comes out. When you damn well know that if a cent of this came out against Obama or Hillary or Chuck Schumer or anybody like that, they would be chomping at the bit to call for the person's immediate ouster from not just office but maybe the country.
2: And one other, you know, point here is that Sarah Sanders, I think her initial statement was something along the lines of, well, our president has been tougher on Russia than any other president in recent history, which I believe actually we have a clip of Kevin McCarthy saying a similar thing.
3: What I do know is what this administration, this Congress has done. We've been very tough on Russia. Look at the sanctions that we have taken with this administration, one on the election meddling that Russia has done, the movement of Russia within inside Ukraine as well, and I just listened to the president last night. He's more than willing to have it open to what uh, that discussion was about, he said on a news show last night. But I know what the president likes to do. He likes to create a personal relationship, build that relationship, even rebuild that relationship like he does with other world leaders around. But this around.
2: was keeping the record of the conversation from the national security advisor, the person who is supposed to be the top advisor to the president.
3: Well, in hearing the president last night on a show, he says he was more than willing to let that information go out. So that's what does I know Congress of right now. See-
2: He just wanted to have a good friendship with Putin. Well, so what's interesting here is that so this is a major talking point whenever anything happens with Trump and Russia. Right. We've been really tough on Russia, which if you look at sanctions policy and you look at what the national security community has done to implement those. Yeah, that's accurate. Right. We have been pretty tough on Russia in terms of designations with sanctions broadly speaking. Some people will argue that the sanctions we've implemented aren't strict enough. And but, they were slow walked, correct, by the right, administration on the front end. Right. But in terms of the literal number of designations that we've had in the time period that you know Trump has been president, the number that we've had has been a lot. But arguments can be made that they're not strong enough. But I think that's what that rhetoric is all about is when you know the Trump administration says we've been tough on Russia. They're automatically talking about well, look at all these financial measures that we've implemented against them.
1: And lethal aid to. Ukrainian forces. Right, exactly.
2: So one thing we do know is how this is
0: going to impact this week, and that's that the confirmation of William Barr, the new attorney general, are coming up. Swin, how is he going to address this on the front end? Do you know?
1: Well, one thing we do know because of leaked prepared remarks to the Associated Press, I believe on Monday morning, that William Barr will be, or is planning to say during the hearings on Capitol Hill, is that it is his opinion, that special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation should be able to come to a close organically, it should not be impeded, and that the report should be made available not just to Congress, but to the public. So it seems that Barr is trying to put a stamp on that early on, because there have been obviously question after question, especially with Matthew Whitaker, the acting attorney general, and before that during the sessions era about who Trump is or isn't going to fire, whether or not the Mueller probe is going to be completely impeded or blown up.
0: I mean, that's clearly not going to put it to bed. Um, No, of course not. (laughs) Particularly because we've got, I mean, there will be legitimate questions, obviously, from both sides. But you also have three Democrats on the committee that are going to be running for president. So that'll be something worth watching, for sure.
1: Right. Barr is just for his own matter of public relations trying to get out there early. And he and his team are trying to say, look, I'm not a Nixon henchman who's going to be imposed on the Department of Justice. So you can sleep tight, at least on that front. Although we all know we can't.
0: That isn't the only thing going on in Washington this week. The government is still partially shut down and it doesn't look like there's any other than the president hate tweeting over the weekend. And there were some Republican talks over the weekend. You know, Swin, how is the president going to get out of this? Public polling is showing that Republicans are being blamed for this right as, now.
1: as they often are. That was incredibly predictable that Trump and Republicans were going to shoulder perhaps even virtually all the blame for this in terms of public opinion. But something which we reported on Saturday morning, which I thought was sort of a perfect metaphor or emblem for where not just President Trump's team stand right now. This is the major strategic brilliance coming out of Team Trump.
0: Can't tell if you're deadpanning or not.
1: <laughs> of course. I try. According to a source who we talked to late last week, who was on a messaging call hosted by senior White House official Mercedes Schlapp. She's Donald Trump's director of strategic communications. I believe Hope Hicks's old job from way back in the day. When she was on a call with top aides in Republican office on Capitol Hill on Friday morning... She was encouraging them to tamp down, and push back as hard as they could on Democratic messaging that a Trump declaring a national emergency to build the big, beautiful wall with his military and circumvent Congress was not imminent. Please do everything you can to say that Democratic lawmakers who are saying that are deploying fake news. But then when asked about, well, is he going to declare the emergency? Is he not going to? Because he's been going back and forth, back and forth on that, whether or not it's imminent. Mercedes Schlapp conceded that Trump's own senior staff does not know whether or not a declaration is imminent or not. So basically, tell everybody, stay calm. The president's not going to do this almost certainly unconstitutional thing to build his racism wall on the southern border. But at the same time. His own senior staff and close advisors have zero idea if he's going to do that soon or not. Well, but so Democrats that's where have we're at.
0: kind of backed themselves into a corner on this as well, right? I mean, Pelosi called the wall an immorality. Mm-hmm. And you actually started hearing Democrats saying this morning that emergency declaration would be preferable to this continuing because you're seeing airports shut down. You're seeing, nonwithstanding, all of these people who are not getting paid.
1: Right. And from a Democratic perspective, actually, emergency declaration, there's a good chance it would be preferable because at that point, it gets immediately held up by the courts, almost certainly. Maybe not immediately, but pretty damn soon, because I think there's a fairly decent legal consensus that this is a non-constitutional action by Trump or would be. And so once that's all tied up, the wall is not getting built by the U.S. Marine Corps or whoever the hell Donald Trump thinks would build the thing with such an order. And it puts the ball back in the president's court, I guess, in that respect. But this is no functioning way to run a federal government. But, you know, that goes without saying.
2: Speaking of functionality, I mean, I think what's important to remember here is, you know, some of the things that aren't going forward because of this shutdown. Right. We reported last week that DHS canceled a trip for its advisory council to the border. This advisory council was supposed to be looking at, you know, the issue of women and children on the border coming through the ports how DHS is handling these families, and they were supposed to put out a report. So things like that are being shut down. And then on the lighter side of things, you know, we're hearing, talked to a couple people last week in the State Department who are still showing up to work, but they're coming in their, like, pajamas, and they've decided (laughs) that the time well spent will be cleaning out their office. So they're, like, throwing away coffee machines and scrubbing the whole office down. And so, you know, there are people who are just either out of work or going to work and cleaning.
1: Have you gotten a readout yet on what the pajamas looked like? Were these like duck pajamas not or a Christmas readout. pajamas? I have not or- gotten a
2: readout, but they said that they were throwing away old coffee makers in the dumpster outside and they came back the next day and they were all gone. So I guess people are picking through the garbage of the State Department. Erin, you wrote also
0: last week and forgive me if it was a week before because they all blend together about, you know, some issues of morale at the Treasury Department. And this is shut down notwithstanding. This can't be helpful to you know any federal
2: workers. Yeah, exactly. You know, we have Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, who's sort of in the midst and preoccupied with keeping the markets calm, not only after his remarks in late December about liquidity issues with the banks, which There were no liquidity issues with the banks, but also amid a partial government shutdown, he's trying to keep the markets calm. Meanwhile, Treasury, we're in, you know, the first few weeks of 2019, staffers are trying to basically feel out what the president wants to do in terms of the sanctions that are upcoming for Iran and Russia. So things are just sort of in shambles over there. And there's, you know, a massive brain drain happening over there because of that. So the shutdown is just exacerbating all this.
0: One last thing I wanted to touch on today, and you know, Swin and I have written about this, and that's uh, Congressman Steve King. It seems like suddenly last week, the Republican Party realized that he had some, um, to put it mildly, white nationalist tendencies.
1: And white supremacist kinks and quirks. And yes, stuff yes. Like, they uh, rediscover it re- re- every re- four months or so. I,
0: I know. It's incredible. But it seems like this week they may do something about it. Congressman King from Iowa is meeting with Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy today, There are some options that Congress could use. They could strip him of his committee assignments, which essentially would render him powerless in the Congress for all intents and purposes. It's a really big step. And there seems to be a little bit of a willingness to do that. But so far, he was reelected and he hasn't been really called to a court on this. But Swin and I wrote last November, I think, about how Trump's immigration policy is basically in line with what Steve King has been pushing since the early 2000s.
1: Right. You strip King of whatever the Republican Party on Capitol Hill wants to do. And okay, fine. Good. You're many, many years late. If anything, I'm not sure if you should get a cookie necessarily for that. But at the same time, which you allude to there, he would still have the ear of leader of the free world, Donald J. Trump, just to cite a little bit from the piece that you and I wrote a few months ago, which I think is sort of telling about how Donald Trump talks about Steve King when he's not around, when he's not in the room. Roughly a year ago, when Trump was meeting with officials in the Oval Office to discuss immigration policy and proposed legislation, Trump asked if Steve King specifically supported the bill. One person in the Oval replied, yes, he's with us, according to a source in the room. The president visibly smirked. "Quote: Steve's always with us. He responded, according to the source. So President Trump goes out of his way to check the Steve King barometer on whatever immigration policy or xenophobic policy his administration is weighing at that time. So that tells you sort of everything you need to know, not just about the standing of someone, not just Steve King, but someone like Steve King in the Trump era, but also how Steve King didn't come out of nowhere. He has had sort of a oftentimes behind the scenes grip on Republican Party immigration decision making on Capitol Hill for many years predating the Trump. Era. But he
0: used to be I mean, I covered him when he was on the fringe. He used to wheel. I'm not kidding. You can find it on the Internet. He used to wheel out a model of the wall and mm-hmm. have, you know, little barbed wire that he would lace through <sighs> and he would build it on the floor and, you know, miniature. And give a speech about the importance of it. And he has said many, many racist things over the years. But you're right. His power, even if he loses all of his committee seats, his power still remains. Has the president said anything about this latest Steve King blow up?
1: Well, he weighed in on a multitude of issues this Monday morning while I believe on the South Lawn chatting with White House reporters. And uh, he touched on everything from. Russia, to Comey, to Jeff Bezos and the deterioration of his marriage. He knew about all this media gossip and political and national security news, I'm sure the vast majority of which he's absorbed on Fox News. But when he was asked about Steve King's remarks, which have been all over the news, in papers the president reads every day, he demurred. He said, I'm only mildly paraphrasing here haven't read it, don't know anything about it. Let's move on. So yeah, I think we can reliably and confidently predict that the president is going to give his dear pal, good old Steve King, a pass on this one.
0: Ah, oh, Washington, <laughs> the Trump era. All right. Well, we'll have to see what happens with that. That's what we got today, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Omni Shambles. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, TheDailyBeast.com, of course, and wherever fine podcasts are located. Thanks again. Bye.